Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. I don't know all the words to that song, but I do know the words in it that say, and I long to worship thee or worship you. That's probably why you are here in church today, because you have that same longing. We're in a series called Jump In, and uh, we're highlighting Dave, Pastor Dave for the last three Sundays, and then he'll be back for the following two uh, in the series called Jump In, where we are talking about embracing a value and practicing a virtue. Now, I'm a baby boomer, and so the way I was taught to say that is practice what you preach. I wish I didn't have to do that. I'd be a lot better. Well, I'd be terrible, actually, wouldn't I? The story of Elijah invites us to jump in. And jumping in can really be terrifying sometimes. But we're invited to jump in, embrace the value, practice the virtue. We're invited to practice what we preach. And we see it here in this story of Elijah that we've been going through for these, uh, what will be six messages. So let's jump in. But before we jump, I want to kind of set up the reading of the scripture. And Dave has been talking about these, but kind of the way of summary. Uh, Ahab is an evil, wicked, unqualified king of Israel. His wife, the lovely Jezebel, was a bitter, in a bitter and bloody conflict with the prophets of God. They were in great persecution, and she killed as many as she could. She was not a happy person. And... Uh, as I said to the 8.30 service, I think she needed about 50 years of mental health counseling. But at the same time, there was a severe famine in Gilead. Things were not good. And because the prophets of God were being persecuted, God sent Elijah into a place of protection and kept him there until it was time for him to confront King Ahab and Jezebel. Now, to make a long story short, Elijah appeared before Ahab and confronted him with his sin against God and challenged him to a test. He had Ahab summon his prophets, 450 of them, it turned out, and they met with Elijah on Mount Carmel. Now, there was a great test, and they passed, uh, preached on that last week. And if you didn't hear that sermon, please go online and hear it. God was revealed in that event to be the living and true God. Furthermore, God was bringing the famine to an end. And Ahab was instructed to get ready for it. And that's where our text picks up today in 1 Kings chapter 18. And Elijah 
said to Ahab, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any one of them, I'll get to that verse in a moment, uh, get away. They seized him. Elijah had them brought down to the valley of Kishon. And Elijah said to God, or to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, quote, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea, end quote. Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Great story, isn't it? A great victory had been accomplished on Mount Carmel, a great promise that the, the Famine was coming to an end, had been given. And Elijah sent Ahab off to eat and drink, almost as a celebration that the, the famine was ending and that rain was on the way. Elijah, however, went back up to Mount Carmel, humbled himself before God, prayed, and waited for how God would keep his word. Elijah knew this was a God thing. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about Ahab. It wasn't about the famine. It was about God, the God who seeks to draw near and make himself known to people. So Elijah did what a true man of God does. He humbled himself before God, and he waited for God to act. This very message, as we said, is called Jump In, and today's message is power to jump. Elijah was a very real human man, and he had some brokenness in his life. He had some weakness in his life. Pastor Dave will deal with that next week. And don't we all have some brokenness in our lives? Perhaps a lot of brokenness. If you don't, you probably should just go ahead and go home because <laughs> this message won't mean much to you. We're not superheroes. Sometimes you and I are called to do things that just stretches us to the point of breaking. We're not superheroes. We are very real human men and women seeking to live for God. And deep down in our hearts, we know, don't we, that any power 
we might have to jump into spiritual war around us and do it for God takes a power that is beyond ourselves. Elijah knew it. So while Ahab is off eating and drinking, Elijah went up to the mountain to pray and wait. There's a wonderful verse in the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 17, where James says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And then James speaks of how God used this human being to be a vehicle through which God broke into Israel's story and became a vehicle, a wonderful vehicle of God. And the remarkable thing about Elijah is that through it all, he was faithful. Against all odds, he believed God. It was his God who gave him the power to jump into the fray in a very crucial time in Israel's history. So that, that moves me to ask you today, what is your power? What is my power, really? This is Elijah's story. It was God who gave Elijah the power to stand up against the king of Israel and pronounce to him that a famine was coming. It was God who gave him the power to be sustained while many prophets of God were being persecuted and killed because of the anger of Jezebel. It was God who gave him the power to come out of obscurity and come face to face with Ahab when knowing full well Ahab wanted him dead. It was God who gave him the idea of taking on the false prophets on Mount Carmel. It was God who gave the overwhelming victory on Mount Carmel. It was God in him that broke the news that the ending of the famine was at hand and it was going to rain. It was God that Elijah prayed to and before whom he humbled himself as he waited for the promised rain. It was God that gave him tenacity to send his servant to the sea seven times to see if the storm might be brewing over the waters. Can I talk about that a moment? I don't want to rush through that very quickly. It's all over. Elijah's on Mount Carmel, and he says to his servant, go and look into the sea and See if there's any evidence that maybe a storm is coming. And so he goes out there, and he comes back, and Elijah says, anything? And the servant said, no, nothing. Okay. Go back. And he went back, 
And he came back. And Elijah said, anything going on? No, sir, not yet. Okay. Go back. Anything going on? No. 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 Okay. Go back. And the servant comes back and Elijah said, Anything? And the servant said, Well, there was a cloud about the size of a, a man's hand rising from the sea. It was God who challenged Ahab at that moment to get the message to Ahab that he had better get moving before the rain came. It was going to be a rain that would keep him from traveling when it got here. Now, if it had been me, and the size of a cloud over the sea, I would probably say to him, okay, go back. But Elijah saw something in that that said, okay, it's happening, it's here. What's our power? Can we, can I honestly say, God is my power? Or are my words simply hyperbole, uh, an overstatement of what is really going on in my life? Or are they the heart and soul of who I am? I have learned some things in this Elijah story. I come to them as a follower of Jesus. I know that. And I know that I am a very real human man. I am no superhero. I know that. But I also know that God's power in the life of very real human people is a remarkable reality. And this story of Elijah kind of awakens me to some spiritual truths. And I can almost hear God whispering into my ear, open up your life to my good, pleasing, and perfect will. Even though you don't know fully what God's will is in the moment. Trust in the living God. Um, get engaged, jump in, and stay engaged. What captivates your imagination so much that with tenacity you stay with it day by day by day by day by day by day so that you will be known for your faithfulness. And do what you must do. I remember my friend Dana Walling, who died at the age of 50. He was a chaplain at Point Loma Nazarene University. We were in school together. He died far too young of cancer. But he had such an impact on the lives of those students. And one of the things he said that, that has far outlived him, 
He said to them every day, find out what you can do for Jesus and do it. And I, I have, they put that on a little bookmarker that they distributed at his funeral. And I still have my copy uh, on my wall at the church office. Every day, find out what you can do for Jesus and do it. And then let God do what God does. And God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And then be situationally aware of your issues, but don't focus on them so much that you forget your God. Be aware, be smart, but don't be so overly consumed that you forget your God, but rather, as Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then pray, 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 pray. We believe in prayer around here. We have an email prayer chain. If you need us to pray about something, call me or write me an email, and we'll send it out to people. And if you don't want a whole bunch of people to know, but just me or a few staff members, just say that, and we'll keep our mouths shut, and we'll just pray for you. But we believe in prayer. The Bible says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And Jesus said, Go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is, unseen, who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will re- reward you. I love that scene where Elijah's back on Mount Carmel, and his, I don't even know how to do it. I'm so old, I don't think I could. But he got down on his knees, and his face between his knees, his legs, humbled himself, praying to hear and receive and be open to what God wanted to do. And then wait for it. Wait for it. Stay faithful. Stay engaged. Stay prayerful. Stay focused. Stay open to the possibilities of God. And in it all, have a waiting heart. With eyes fixed on Jesus, let God be God, knowing that ultimately and finally, According to Romans 12, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will shall be accomplished. Now, we're not Elijah, and we ought not to compare ourselves to him. But we are followers of Jesus. So we might ask, what should our lives look like in the everyday and routine realities of our world? Well, I suggest to you that we need to hear some words from the Apostle Paul to help us be our Elijah, be an Elijah in our time. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, just a few verses. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any 
of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since, as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As followers of Jesus, what do we need to jump into and really be Christ-like there? And what, what might take the power of God in us to do it well? How shall we live in our, our marriages, our families, in our work relationships, in our neighborhoods, in all of our responsibilities, in our social engagements, in our goals and pursuits? How shall we live in our church? Well, we can clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We can bear with each other and forgive one another. We can put on love. We can let the peace of Christ dwell in our hearts. We can be thankful. We can let the message of Christ dwell in us. We can live so that in whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we do it in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God through the Father. Through God, you have the power to jump in right where you are. Through the power of God, you can be a person of faith right where you are. In fact, that's the only place you can be that. You can live for God right where you are. You don't have to be a superhero. James says Elijah was a human being even as we are. You're seeing how we tend to make these biblical people bigger than life. You know, there was Moses, and then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We just make them bigger than life. They aren't, or they weren't. In fact, some of the Bible, in my opinion, is R-rated. because those guys had issues and they weren't pretty. But God came into their lives 
and brought them power that helped them to be open to what God wanted to do in their lives and in the lives of his people. But he was not a superhero. He was not Spider-Man. He was not Superman. He was not Iron Man. I thought, I'm going to go get a shirt that has a Superman, the big S on it, for savage, you know. <laughs> but, but I am not a Superman, so I better not do that. I was going to show you where Tishbe in Gilead is. And so I typed Tishbe into Google and a map of Montrose, La Pinata, Flint Ridge, La Crescenta, and surrounding cities came up. I kid you not. I looked out and thought, oh, no, I did that. And I realized that Google didn't know where uh, Tishbe is. And so when you put in a location in Google and it can't find it, it just defaults back to where your computer is. So I thought, oh, man, I thought that was a God thing, and it's just a Google thing. <laughs> but I thought, why not? This is our Tishbe, isn't it? This is where we live. We are Montroseites, <laughs> not Tishbites. I like that better even. But that's where we live, isn't it? That's where we live out our faith. So welcome to Tishby, California, also known as Montrose, where we are invited to be the people of God. Can we trust God? I've been hearing that story, and I'm telling you, to go back seven times, that's pushing the edge of the envelope, isn't it? That's hard. It's easy to read. It only occupies one sentence. But seven times before God gave evidence that the promise was going to be fulfilled. God is a powerful, powerful God. I'm from Moordale, Missouri. Anybody know where that is? Look at the hands. Wow. Nobody. It is so remote in southeast Missouri, I'm not even sure God knows where it is. But it's just a little bitty town in the southeast. They call it the Boot Hill of Missouri in the southeast corner. I looked up on Google one time. I wonder if anybody famous ever came from Wardell. So I Googled it, and I had to search for a while. But I found somebody. One of the writers of uh, the television program Lost was from Wardell, Missouri. Thank you very much. It's awesome. My mom and dad lived in Mordell, Missouri. They weren't Christians. My big brother was about three and a half years old. I wasn't born yet. And there was a little Nazarene preacher in that little bitty town. His sanctuary was about the size if you, from that wall maybe to six or seven rows back. It was a mammoth place, let me tell you. A little wood structure building that seated about 40 people, maybe. A little bitty church. But for some reason, and I don't know this part of the story, for some reason he decided, 
my mom and dad needed to know Jesus. <laughs> and so he loved them. He loved on my big brother. He loved on them. Uh, my dad had no interest spiritually whatsoever, but my mom kind of had a heart, and she started going to church. And the pastor would come out and pick her and my brother up and go to church on Sunday, and she found Christ. Didn't push him on my dad at all, but just began to change in the way she lived. And one day, uh, the church announced they were having a revival. Now, I don't know if you all know what a revival is, but they used to have week-long, two-week-long services every night called revival. And so the pastor came out and picked up my mom and my, my brother and took her to church, and uh, my dad stayed home. And he was okay. He had no problem with her, but he just didn't have anything to do with it. And uh, there was one night where my mom was sitting on the end of a, there was just one row down the middle and inside, and uh, the evangelist gave an altar call. And my mom said, for some reason, I, I just looked up, and she said, I saw your dad walking down the aisle. And he knelt at the altar, and she said, are you kidding me? And that was the night my dad came to faith. And it's interesting that after, and the pastor's name, get this, he was about this tall, I keep on, I was taller than him when I, I met him one day as an adult. I felt pretty tall, but he was just a little guy, a little overweight. Um, came, to, came to get my mom, and my dad decided, I gotta find out what is going on down there at that church? And that's why he went. And remember, it was just a small building, maybe 20 feet deep. And they had one door at the back, the back door. And he sat on the porch and didn't come in. He just sat out there and listened. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but the Lord touched his heart. And my dad... <laughs> did the bravest thing I think he could have ever done. He walked down that little aisle and he opened up his heart to Christ. And my big brother was suddenly the son of a Christian couple. And by the time I came around two or three years later, I was born into a Christian home. And when my little sister was born a few years later, she was born into a Christian home whose parents we're really growing in the Lord. Wardell, Missouri. I guess maybe God does know where it is. <laughs> Tishby. Montrose. I wonder what God can do here. By the way, Elijah, the name means my God is Yahweh. And Yahweh, Lord God Almighty, is your God too. What would you like to pray about this morning? At the close of the service, we, we have people kind of 
stationed around that are here to pray for you if you would like for someone to pray with. They have a little badge that says, how can I help you pray or how can I pray for you? And if you see somebody with one of those badges, uh, they're here to pray for you. And I'll be back there too if you would like uh, to pray with me about something. Power. It's different than you think. We think of power. Well, <laughs> we used to think of power. <laughs> but God doesn't see it that way. God just shows up about the size of a hand over the sea. And when that happens, you better watch out because something is going to happen. Aslan is on the move. I want to ask the worship team to come and I'd like to pray for a moment. And if you would like to pray at the close here, just think about it. And there'll be somebody out there to pray for you if you would like. You don't have to, but please know that we're here for you. If you'd rather send me an email or text or call me and we can pray on the phone. But I want to make sure that you are prayed for and that God has brought into whatever it is you are needing him right now. Would you stand and let's pray for a moment and then let's close in worship. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power that begins <laughs> so small, like the the size of a hand. But then all of a sudden, we know that you are on the move. God is doing something. And today, I pray that you would touch our hearts. Help us to be open to you. Do in us what you wanted to do. Speak to us, but God also speak through us to someone who might need a friend, who might need someone to pray for them, someone to fellowship with them, who might need someone to care about them. Fill us with your power. And then do whatever it is you want to do. And help us to just be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.